Hey everyone, we did it. We're here. We're at the final weekly recap of the year. I'm Corey. Here's Matlock, my husband, hey. right? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, we're here. We are finishing up Revelation this week. Mm. We should have already read it. If you fell behind, we'll get you caught back up. You yeah. know the drill. <laughs> but we did it. I yeah. always get, I, I, this time of year I love because we're, we're getting ready to start January, Genesis again. Yes. And I'm very excited. There's some really fun studies coming up on the Bible Discovery program. And then, of course, we're, we're changing things up for 2023. We're going to be posting two videos instead of one. So there's going to be a condensed chapter-by-chapter uh, chapter recap. It's, we're just going to call it the 10-minute recap next year. And it's just going to be me and you, 10 minutes, really quickly going through what we read. And then another video that's going to be released that we're just calling The Weekend Show, where Matlock's joining me. And we're going to be uh, discussing questions that reading through the Bible brings up. So, you know, when we read Genesis 1 to 25 for that first week of January, what are some of the big issues that are brought up? What are your questions? We want to answer some of your questions as well. So again, if you have questions having to do with books of the Bible or just, you know, a question that's always been on your mind or you've never understood or a story that you've never understood, anything like that, uh, please pop it in the comments down below and we will make note of it and, and, uh, talk about it yeah. on the show. Also, you can email us, um, hello at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Email us your questions, things like that. If you're in Canada. Right. And if you're in the U.S., go to hi at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. <laughs> right. The <laughs> yeah. questions will eventually the get greetings to Greetings are different. Yeah, for Canada and the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's recap Genesis 8 to 20. I, Genesis. Guys, I'm already, I'm already thinking January. Right. Revelation 8 to 22. Let's do it. Okay, so in Revelation 8, where we are is that Christ in heaven, Jesus, has been opening the scroll with the seven seals. And here we are at the seventh seal. So in chapter 8, Christ opens the seventh seal and there's silence in heaven for half an hour while an angel offers the prayers of God's people. And they're seeing the prayers of God's people are seen as um, incense uh, going before God. Then those prayers, that incense, is mixed with coals from the whole from the altar, and they're hurled towards the earth. So we see prayer and God's power bringing judgment on wickedness, which is very interesting. Then seven trumpets are sounded by seven angels, uh, and the first four uh, trumpets are dis are discussed in chapter eight, and they announce judgments or trouble on earth. Okay, Revelation chapter 9, uh, the trumpets 5 and 6 are sounded in Revelation chapter 9. The, the fifth trumpet opens the abyss and stinging locusts come out to torture humanity. Uh, anyone who did not have that seal of God on their, uh, marked, marked on them. Uh, the sixth trumpet uh, is sounded and four angels are released to lead an army that will kill a third of the earth. The rest of mankind that had not died as a result of the plagues and did not repent. So um, it, really interesting. There's, there's some parallelism with the exodus going on here. If you want to do a study on that, it's really interesting where God's bringing judgment and an opportunity for chance. It's really interesting. Okay, Revelation chapter 10. This massive angel appears uh, and stands one of his feet on the sea and one on the land. And then he yells. And when he yells, uh, seven thunders respond 
to this yell, but John's not allowed to record for us what they said. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, John. No, <laughs> mysteries. Okay. Um, the angel says there will be no more delay. This is it. And then when the seventh trumpet sounds, that's it. The mystery of God will be accomplished. John then has to eat a little scroll that's in the angel's hand. And he says it tastes sweet, but it goes sour in his stomach. Um, you know, representing how he's going to have to prophesy against many nations and people and languages and kings. So it's sweet to know the truth, but it's also very difficult. Okay, Revelation chapter 11. John is given a measuring reed, a measuring rod, and told to go measure the temple, the altar, and its worshipers, but not to measure the outer court because it's been given to the Gentiles to trample on for 42 months. Uh, God, we're told, will appoint two witnesses clothed in sackcloth, which is meaning they're mourning, to prophesy for 1260 days. And we're told these are the two olive trees, the two lampstands. Now, this, guys, is an indicator for us to go back to Zechariah 4, uh, who also prophesies about the olive trees and the lampstands, which is really interesting. Um, okay. Uh, these witnesses have the ability to destroy their enemies, whoever wants to hurt them, uh, and they can cause it to not rain. They can call on plagues like those that afflicted Egypt. And when they're finished testifying, we're told that the beast will kill them and their bodies will be in the public square in Jerusalem for three and a half days, not buried. God will then raise them from the dead, terrifying everyone, and they'll ascend into heaven and a severe earthquake will happen that will destroy a tenth of the city. Uh, the seventh trumpet is sounded in Revelation 11, and the elders in heaven worship God. The heavenly temple is opened. Uh, the heavenly Ark of the Covenant is seen. There's lots of storm things happening, like lightning and thunder and earthquakes. Uh, God is essentially showing the inner workings of heaven here and the inner workings of his presence. Revelation chapter 12. If this wasn't enough, John sees another vision. Another one. A sign in heaven. Yeah. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet with a crown of 12 stars on her head. She's pregnant. She gives birth. But the dragon is trying to devour her son. She gives birth to a male child who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. The child is snatched up to God and his throne, and the woman fled to the wilderness where God takes care of her for 1260 days. A war breaks out in heaven. Michael and angels fight against the dragon and his angels um, who have lost their place in heaven and are hurled to earth, the dragon and his angels. Um, so this is victory over the dragon. Uh, it says, they have triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So these faithful uh, who have overcome the dragon here. We're also told the woman is being pursued by the dragon and we're told all the different ways that God saves her. Mm. In Revelation 13, this sign, this vision continues. The dragon is standing on the shore and a beast like a leopard bear lion comes out of the sea and was given the dragon's power and throne and people worship the dragon and the beast. The beast is given authority to blaspheme God and wage war and conquer, conquer God's people. Everyone 
who's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will worship the beast. We're told that God's people need patient endurance and faithfulness for this because there will be captivity and death by the sword. A second beast then comes out of the earth and causes all the earth to worship that first beast. And this second beast breathes life into an image of the first beast and all who refused to worship it, this image, were killed. And people had to choose between the mark of the beast or not being able to buy or sell. So survive. Revelation chapter 14, John sees the lamb, so Jesus Christ, standing on Mount Zion with 144,000 who had his name written on their foreheads. And they sing a new song that only they can learn. John then sees another angel who proclaims the gospel to everyone who lives on the earth. A second angel comes proclaiming what? Do you remember? That Babylon the Great is fallen. Third angel then lets them know that anyone who worships the beast and its image and receives its mark will also receive God's wrath for the beast. So you get in bed with the beast, you you get his outcome as well. Angels then come and harvest the earth for God's judgment. Revelation chapter 15 marks a transition for us. We see seven angels with the seven last plagues that will conclude God's wrath. And before the angels leave the temple, John sees, quote, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and the number of its name. And these people are given harps and they sing the song of Moses. The angels then go out with judgment, with the, with the judgment of those last plagues. Okay, Revelation chapter 16, those seven plagues are described. So the first angel and the first plague is sores on those who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second plague is the sea turns uh, to blood and the sea life dies. The third plague is rivers and springs become blood. Uh, And it's interesting because it says that the justification for that here is given. They have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets and you have now given them blood to drink as they deserve. So you can see that judgment element. This is judgment for spilling the blood of the prophets and the people of God. The fourth plague, the sun begins to scorch people. They're seared by the intense heat and they begin to curse God. The fifth plague um, uh, plunges the throne of the beast and his kingdom into darkness. They curse God and refuse to repent. The sixth plague is on the Euphrates River. It splits. Um, And we're told that at this time, demonic spirits go out to perform signs and wonders and gather the nations for battle against God. And then the seventh plague is poured out on the air. There's lightning and thunder and earthquake and hail. Pretty intense chapter overall, Yes, I would say. (laughs) Revelation chapter 17. This records the punishment of Babylon being shown, being revealed to John and the meaning of the symbol of Babylon, uh, uh, of Babylon as a prostitute is given. Um, Ultimately, what we see here is that Babylon will be destroyed by the beast and his ten horns. So the beast and his ten kings. Okay, Revelation chapter 18, an angel then announces that Babylon has fallen. A voice calls out for any people of God to get out of Babylon because she is going to be given plagues and then destroyed. 
Kings of the earth mourn over Babylon's destruction as they watch her burn. And there's this symbol of a millstone being thrown into the sea. An angel throws one into the sea and says, Babylon will be destroyed forever, never to be found again. Revelation 19, this reaction in heaven of Babylon's fall is good. They're, they're rejoicing over Babylon's fall. The marriage supper of the lamb is mentioned as like it's getting closer. It's approaching. It's coming. And there's this battle between Jesus and the armies of the beast and the false prophet that's described. Obviously, the beast and the false prophet lose and they're condemned to the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20. We're almost done. Satan is bound in the abyss for a thousand years. So it's not his final destruction yet. Um, we see the first resurrection of the right, righteous occur. These righteous become priests of God and they reign with Christ for a thousand years. Satan is released then and there's uh, he wages war and he's defeated. And then there's the great white throne judgment and the second resurrection, that, which is of the unrighteous. The, the unrighteous then are resurrected from the dead and they're judged based off of their names uh, in not being the book of God and their deeds. And then they experience the second death in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 21, this is where it starts turning into happy imagery. Yes. A new heaven and a new earth replace the current ones, but this time it's together. The bride of Christ is shown as the new Jerusalem. And there's this pretty awesome scenario described, emotional comfort, physical peace, right? There, to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. So we have this, this glory emanating from God that is the light of mankind. Revelation chapter 22, this is the last chapter in the Bible. The description continues, but now it's even more personal. They, so this, these people of God, they will see his face. And to John it said, look, I'm coming soon. This is going to happen soon. There's also a warning not to mess with the prophecy of Revelation, um, which, you know, I think is pretty, <laughs> pretty good to, to heed. Oh, pretty yeah. good to heed. Be careful with how we deal with Revelation. That's I think right. that's fair. It says it right in there. So let's be careful with how we deal with the prophecy of Revelation. Let's pay attention to it and, and um, not only know what's in there, what's actually in there, not just what people say is in there. I think a lot of us get hung up on there. Um, we listen to a lot of teachers teach about the prophecy of Revelation, but not a lot of us know what, what Revelation actually says, what's actually in there. And that's half the battle. Right. Okay. Half yeah. the battle's knowing what's I didn't in want there. to chime in at all because when you're dealing with so much symbolism, <laughs> if I were to say something, it would just I feel like it would just convolute the whole mm -hmm. the whole recap. Um, but there's a couple, there's a, some things to think, keep in mind here. I know with some people, there's a lot of people who are um, basically ardent in their belief of what revelation means, so much so that if you have a different view, that you're possibly a heretic. Right. And I know that that's that, a problem. Yeah, it's kind of a problem. And, and the one thing I, I will say here and that I think people need to hear is that you often hear when people who are premillennial, right, mm -hmm. will accuse postmillennials and amillennials of not believing in a rapture or something like that. Mm hmm. And that's actually not true. Yeah. Uh, so I, what, 
every single eschatological view, whether you're premillennial, postmillennial, not every single one. There are some ones that are outside the scope. But anyways, the main ones, mm-hmm. amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial, all believe in a rapture. It just matters when, when it is. Right. So Christ returning and us meeting him, right. essentially. So, Everyone believes that's going to happen, so, but when? Well, so premillennial being <laughs> pre-millennium, yeah. pre the thousand years, Christ comes before the thousand years. Postmillennial, Christ comes after the thousand years. And that rapture process, when we are raptured to him, that's when that happens. That happens mm-hmm. at the beginning of the thousand or happens at the end. So, and the amillennial is the same thing, but the they call it A because... It's more of a symbolic reference. It's not a physical it's thousand not a years. It's yeah. thousand years. It's a symbolic thousand years. It's the church age. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but what's important there is that there's a rapture and all that. Some, some people accuse the others of being like, heresy, you don't believe that there's a rapture. You don't believe. It's like, well, hold on. They believe that there's a rapture. So you just have to, we just have to be careful not to dismiss people's views. Because, yeah. This can get really emotionally charged really quickly. It's one right. of those issues that can get really emotionally charged. And it's definitely wisdom to take a step back and try to take your emotion out of it. If you're one of those people that gets really emotional over this teaching and and have conversations with people who disagree with you and find out why. Yes. <laughs> find out why. <laughs> yeah, right. Because uh, that's how that's how understanding is made. You know, that's that's loving your brother or sister in Christ is actually trying to understand why they believe what they believe. And it's quite possible that they don't know why they believe what they believe. It's And it's a good thing to to challenge that. But in a way that's productive right. as opposed to just yelling at each other and neither one of you is getting anywhere. Right. So. That's about it. That's well, all. there you go. There, there you go. go. Yeah. yeah. Just a view, just there, a it, there, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to study here with Revelation and, and it, it's, yeah. it's it's good to be well read on this subject and, and read people that, you know, you're, you're familiar with their views and unfamiliar with their views on this and, and critically think through it if this is something that you're interested right. in. Not everyone is interested uh, to get too deep into the subject of eschatology, but. Yeah, I think it's yeah. interesting. Anyway. Okay, guys. Um, I hope you have a really good week. I hope you enjoy the first part of Genesis. Don't forget to send us uh, questions that you have or even questions that you get as a Christian about people misunderstanding the Bible. We'd love to deal with those too. Uh, yeah, have a good week and we'll, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.